Okay, today is Sunday, and tomorrow is Memorial Day. Uh, we would like to greet everyone. Happy Memorial Day. Happy shopping at Best Buy. Okay, and happy shopping online at Amazon. But, but seriously, why are we celebrating Memorial Day? Memorial Day is an American holiday, and it's observed every last Monday of May. And the very reason why we are observing Memorial Day is for us to honor um, uh, men and women who once served in the U.S. military. Originally, it was called Decoration Day. But in 1865, okay, it became an original or it became an official federal holiday. Okay, and... Uh, you know, in Memorial Day, we cannot take for granted the lives that were, you know, that, uh, that were sacrificed for the sake of what we are enjoying today, freedom. But, you know, sad to say, freedom has been abused, right? Originally, the freedom was based on, you know, freedom from oppression, freedom from slavery, but now, they have married freedom with some rights that, you know, somehow ridiculous. Right? But, you know, we need to thank God. We need to remember those who have sacrificed, okay, for the freedom that we are enjoying. What's the difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day? Okay, the one is dead and the other one is living. Veterans Day, we remember, we recognize, we honor members of the military. Okay, those that are deployed, those that are here, okay, we remember them. We honor them because they continuously safeguard and protect the freedom that we enjoy. You know, in other countries, we don't have this freedom wherein we can worship God. I was watching last night while, while preparing this message, somewhere in, in, in Asia, they would climb mountains, okay, for them to be baptized. Why? Because the authorities are after them. Whereas here, we enjoy the freedom of expressing ourselves, our love to God. Amen? You know, when a soldier dies, it's not only that, you know, we lose that person, but the families are also affected. So this morning, later on, we will be praying, not for those that died, but for the families that were left behind. There are thousands of families, okay, whose loved ones have died protecting this country. I know you know somebody, right? I know somebody. Just like in our Christian walk, there is somebody who would like to steal that freedom that we are enjoying. There are countries out there that wanted to destroy America. They wanted to destroy the very foundation, the very freedom that we are enjoying. In our Christian walk, there is that somebody who would like to destroy the freedom that we are enjoying. In John 10.10, 10, it says, the devil has come to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come so that they might have life and have it abundantly. Technical Surgeon Philip sacrificed his life. Of course, the life that he sacrificed is not, it's just one of those that sacrificed their lives. But centuries, thousands of years ago, there was this man. He was born of a carpenter. He sacrificed his very life so that you and me can enjoy that freedom. Freedom. 
Sorry, another tactical. Because my phone is connected to my iPad, so. Okay. I can think of Ephesians chapter 2. Let's start reading with verse 1. It says, As for you, you were dead in transgressions and sins. We were in bondage at the time. Okay, verse 2, in which Okay, all of us are deserving to go to hell. We don't deserve salvation. But you know, in John chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says that God so loved the world. He loved you and me. Okay, and He sent His only begotten Son to die on that cross. That was the ultimate sacrifice. In verse 4, it says, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. That's why we are enjoying freedom from bondage. That's why we are enjoying freedom from sin. That's why we are enjoying the blessings that God has given us. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this. In while we were yet or still sinners, Christ died for us. Even before when we were rejecting God, we were rejecting Christ, Jesus died on the cross so that you and me can have that eternal life. That was the ultimate sacrifice. And you know, people respond to sacrifice. I don't know with you, but when Jesus made that sacrifice, many of us responded in a positive way. We can respond by rejecting Him or we can respond by accepting Him as our personal Lord and Savior. So if you are here this morning and you have not responded positively to the sacrifice that Jesus has done on the cross, I would like, you to, I would like to encourage you, consider the gift that God is offering us. It is a gift without any payment. It is a gift given to you and me. Even though we are sinners, even though we are doomed to go to hell, that gift is being given to you. There is a simple prayer that I'd like to share with you this morning. And I would like to invite you, if you are here and you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can pray this prayer. Lord God, I admit that I am a sinner, full of poison of sin. I thank you for providing a solution. Your Christ, your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for my sins. Today, I put my trust in Him totally to save me from eternal death. I would like to open my heart now and invite you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life. Thank you for forgiving my sins and for your gift of eternal life. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into my heart. Give me the desire to want to know you more and more. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. You, if you have prayed this simple prayer, I believe with all my heart that Jesus 
has already entered or come in into your heart. There's nothing magic with this prayer. You will not be saved just simply by, by praying. Okay? You will be saved because you allowed Jesus to come in into your heart. Amen? And uh, this morning, before we proceed, I have entitled my message, What is Your Memorial Stone? Let us pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice that you have done to save mankind from their sins. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we are enjoying this morning, freedom to worship you, freedom to gather in this place and call upon your name. Lord, we thank you for saving us. We thank you, Lord God, for what you have done on the cross of Calvary. And I pray, Lord, this morning, as we study your word, I pray that your words will flow through me, words that will come from the very throne room of the Father, so that these very words would sink down into our hearts, that these words will grow and bear fruit. Lord, we also pray for those who are not here this morning, wherever they are. I pray, dear Father, that you will reach out to them. Keep them safe under the hollow of your hands. And we commit this service to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. What is your memorial stone? How many of you have seen a memorial stone? None? Do you know what a memorial stone is? When you go to the countryside, sometimes you will see some memorial stones. You will see some statues. Right? When you go to the cemetery, you see the lapida. Okay, those are considered memorial stones. Those are things that will remind us of something. If we go back to the book of Genesis, there was a man, his name was Abraham. And God called him from the land of Ur. And God told Abraham to leave his country, to leave his family, and go to a country that God is going to show him. And because Abraham was faithful to God, God initiated a covenant with Abraham. And in that covenant, God says in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 to 3, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who blesses you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. That was the Abrahamic covenant. God promised Abraham that he is going to give him land. He is going to give him descendants and he is going to bless Abraham. And many nations will be blessed through him. That was the promise of God to Abraham. So Abraham left the country of Ur and moved. God promised him to have a descendant. But there was a problem. His wife, Sarah, cannot bear him a child because she was barren. And it took a long time before that promise came into realization. There is somebody here this morning. I do not know who you are. Probably God has promised you. And you have been waiting you have been waiting, you have been waiting and, and thought that, well, God has forgotten me. I would like to tell you, my friend, God never forgets His promise to anyone. Because the Bible says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not return to be void. Abraham hanged on to the promise. And God gave him a son. And his son's name is Isaac. From Isaac, he married Rebekah, and they bore two, two sons. Their names are Esau and Jacob. 
Esau sold his birthright to Jacob. And because of that, there has been a big quarrel or disagreement between the two brothers that prompted Jacob to leave his family. Jacob went on self-exile. Jacob was devastated. He thought that his life is, doesn't have meaning anymore. But one day, he wrestled with God in a place called Bethel. And there God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. We may be in a situation where our lives are devastated, but I am telling you right now, with the snap of a finger, God can change your life. Just like what God did to Jacob, Jacob changed his name to Israel. And because of that, we have the Jewish nation. Jacob had 12 children. Do you know the children of, of Jacob? There were 12 of them, and one of them is Joseph. Joseph is the, the child with multicolored coat, right? He was the favorite, and because of that, what did his siblings do to him? They threw him in a pit and sold him to slavery. God promised them that they're going to be a great nation. But here is Jacob. He is sold to slavery. And the Bible says that even when he was in, in prison, what happened to Jacob, to, to, to Joseph? God was with him. And because God was with him, he prospered in everything that he does. He was in prison. He was very prosperous. What do I mean by very prosperous? He became the, the chief of the prisoners because God was with him. And Joseph worked for a certain person named Potiphar. Remember that? Joseph was handsome, probably just like Brother Butch. Okay? And Mrs. Potty. You know, he called on Joseph. Joseph, can you please replace the bulb in my bedroom? So probably when Joseph was replacing the bulb, Mrs. Potty removed the clothes of Joseph. And Joseph ran. All he has was a smile. And because of that, he was thrown into prison again. God has promised something great for Joseph. But why is it that from that greatness, he found himself in prison? Many of us think, well, God promised that he's going to bless me. But why is it that right now, I'm not. In fact, I have a lot of problems. God has promised that he's going to save me and my family. But why is it? That my children, my sibling, they're not serving the Lord. Why is it that they are hooked into drugs? Why is it that they are hooked into alcoholism? What did Joseph did? He hung on. He continued to enjoy the presence of God. And what happened? From the pit to the prison, he became the prime minister. At a snap of the finger. Guys, if you hang on. At a snap of a finger, God can change your situation. And before God can change your situation, just like Joseph, Joseph is going, God is going to mold our lives. God molded Joseph's life for him to be prepared to become the prime minister of Egypt. And famine came. What happened? All his family members were invited to go to Egypt so that they will live. 
And they multiplied from one family. They became a nation. And when they became a nation, Egypt becomes, became envious at the children of Israel. And that's where slavery started. For 400 years, the people of Israel in Egypt became slaves to the Egyptian. You will say, Reggie, is that what you call blessing? They were slaves. And God raised up Moses. Moses. You know who Moses is? At a young, at a young age, he became a sailor. What did his parents do? They put him in a small boat. She would call it. Small boat or basket. Put him in the Nile River. The first baby sailor. But God, in his sovereign plan, had the daughter of Pharaoh go to the river and saw that baby sailor and God's compassion fell upon her. She picked him up. And what happened next? She got the mother of Moses to be her caretaker. Or nanny or babysitter. Or probably surrogate mother. Whatever it is, it was God's plan. And as the children of Israel were under bondage, many of us were under that bondage too. Not physically in Egypt, but we were under the bondage of sin. We were under the bondage of pornography. We were under the bondage of sexual immorality. We were under the bondage of all bandages. And Moses led the children out of Israel. God has sent us Moses to lead us out of our bandages and bring us into freedom. And when they left Egypt, what happened? Pharaoh changed his mind. He said, I'm not going to release the children of Israel anymore. Let's go after them and chase them. And when they left Egypt, the children of Israel were faced with the Red Sea in front and Pharaoh's army chasing after them. When we received Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we became the devil's target. When we started to move on, we start to face our Red Sea. And we face our Red Sea, what do we see at our back? People around us are cursing us. People around us are ridiculing us. Why? Because you become a born-again Christian. But God, through Moses, split the Red Sea. And what happened? The children of Israel walked on dry ground. The Bible says that God will make a way when there seems to be no way. Are you at the end of your road? Are you facing a Red Sea right now? God can split that Red Sea so that you can go through and enjoy the promises that God has given us. So for 40 long years, the children of Israel were going around in the wilderness. And when they were going around the wilderness, these people, because they still have that slave mentality with them, started to complain. Started to rebel against the leader that God has installed 
it was Moses. And because of God, of that, God did not allow them to enter the promised land. However, there were 10 spies, there were 12 spies that God, that Moses sent to check what's going on in Canaan. The 10 spies reported that, no, we cannot do, we cannot go there because there are giants and we're just like grasshoppers in their, in their, in their eyes. But thank God that there were two spies who said, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. One of the spies said to Moses, we can do it. Now, let's move on. We are now in the book of Joshua, chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them to the Israelites. God promised Abraham that I am going to give you a land. And centuries after, they were wandering in wilderness because of their doubt, because of their complacency, because of their complaints. God did not allow them to enter the promised land, even Moses. And in Joshua chapter 1, God initiated he remembered his covenant to Abram. He said, it's about time for you to enter the promised land. All the people that complained, all the people that left Egypt, they're all dead. Who's left? The children. The children in their minds, all they can remember is when Pharaoh was chasing them, they were crossing the Red Sea. The children, probably three, four, probably up to seven years old. All they can remember was when Pharaoh was chasing them, God removed all the wheels of the chariots, and they looked very funny. They were chasing the people of Israel, and the chariots cannot move. Why? Because God took away those wheels, and they covered, and God covered them with water again. All they can remember is that water gush out of water when they were thirsty. All they can remember is that dad and mom in the morning would go out, gather the manna. All they can remember was the goodness of the Lord. However, those that left Egypt, the slaves, all they can remember what? They remembered their lives in Egypt. But instead of counting the blessings, they started to grumble and complain. And that's the very reason God did not allow them to move on. Moses, my servant, is dead. Your past is gone. I don't care what your past is. Because the Bible says, that God has erased all our sins. And as far as the east is from the west, so has God forgotten or forgiven our sins. Moses, my servant, is dead. Many people, many Christians, still think of their past. And that's the reason why they cannot move on. And God told Joshua, Moses is dead. Now then, I want you to move on. I want you to prepare and cross the Jordan River. The promised land is seen from afar. But there was a problem. They need to cross the Jordan River. Do you see in your life 
that God is starting to unveil His promises to you. But you just can't get it because there's a Jordan River in front of you. Every time you're about to achieve the promise of God, the blessing of God in your life, the devil would always come in and put a Red Sea. He will put a Jordan River in front of you. Because as I mentioned earlier, the devil has come to kill and to destroy. The devil doesn't want you to grow as a Christian. The devil doesn't want you to get that healing. The devil doesn't want you to get that blessing. The devil wants you to be a nominal Christian. That's why we are always faced with the Jordan River. And I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Remember God's covenant with Moses, with, with Abraham? What was the promise? I will give you a land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. But God led them into the desert, into the wilderness. And because it's a land, the wilderness, there's no milk and honey, God supplied all their needs. God sent manna. God sent them meat. God sent them water. And God said, it's about time that you move on. You cannot stay in the wilderness that long. God wants the children of Israel to move on. And He promised Joshua, every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I will give it to you. Is there a promise that you're holding on? Probably God impressed upon our hearts that God is going to save our parents, that God is going to save our children, that God is going to save our siblings, that God is going to save our relatives. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, God said, I will give it to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Let me put it in its proper context. Ephesians 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Many people think of blessing as material things. You know, when you hear blessing, the first word that comes into your mind is dollar sign. Am I correct or am I right? Right? Blessing, big house. Blessing, Tesla. Blessing, blessing. Good job. Blessing, I can travel abroad. I can travel wherever I want. Most of the time, we equate blessing with material things. But in Ephesians, it is very clear that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with, with what? Spiritual blessing. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Every blessing that we receive from God 
is aimed at giving glory to God. God's blessing is not only limited to spiritual blessings because in 3 John chapter 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things. Be in health even as your soul prospers. This is what the Word of God is saying. But why is it that some of us are not getting rich? Some of us are still sick in our bodies. God is sovereign. He knows what He's doing. Probably it's not God's plan for you to receive 10 million U.S. dollars because we're not ready for it. Remember, if we go back to our verse earlier, God blesses us with the purpose of giving God the glory. Amen? Are you learning something? Now, let's move on to Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 to 6. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Okay, everybody, verse 6. Okay. Why is it necessary for the children of Israel to cross Jordan River? Because God wants us to live a victorious life. What is that victorious life? Victory over sin. Didn't you notice that sometimes there are things in our lives that no matter what we do, it continues to haunt us? Or it's just me? Right? We have that, you know, favorite sin in our lives. That every time we pray, we ask God to forgive us. We just said amen and then there you are again committing the same sin. Are there some vices in our lives that still there? We've been a Christian for 30 years and up to now, we still cannot get rid of cursing. It seems that we are defeated. Sometimes you pray, God, ano ba naman to? what's going on with me? God, I'm doomed. I committed the same sin again. I don't think, God, that you love me. I don't think that I, I will ever graduate from this. That's why God wants us to cross the River Jordan. Because God wanted to elevate us from that wilderness mentality. He wants us to move into that Canaan or promised land mentality. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors through Christ. And in Joshua 1 verse 8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Many people or many Christians, they're just contented with meditating. They forgot the next sentence. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So what is the key for us to enjoy prosperity and success? It's there. The Word of God and doing what the Word of God is telling us. 
Many Christians don't have problem meditating on the Word of God. But doing, doing is the big question mark. No matter what we think, it is only God who can make us successful. Amen? Verse 11, Pass through the camp and command the people saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Provision normally in the Bible speaks of the Word of God. We will never conquer our Jericho. What is Jericho? It's the walled city. It's the city that they are about to conquer. And that Jericho is, has walls around it. Thick walls that nobody can go in. Nobody can penetrate through Jericho. And those walls have to crumble down so that they can conquer Jericho. All of us have our own walls around us. We have our own Jericho. And we will, these walls will never crumble down without the Word of God. No matter what we do. Because the Word of God is alive. It is the Word of God. It's the web, ultimate weapon that we can use against the fiery darts of the wicked. It's the ultimate weapon that we can use against the devil and his cohorts. And if we move on to Joshua chapter 3, early in the morning, everybody say early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp. Now we can see here that early in the morning they were camped in Shittim and on the day where they're about to cross the Jordan River, Joshua and the leaders of Israel, they woke up early in the morning. Many people don't want to wake up early in the morning. Every time we talk about God, oh, let's just do that later. On Fridays or on Thursdays, we're going to have a D-group meeting. I'll just attend that one next time. I don't feel like attending. It's Sunday morning. We're going to church. Ah, 30 more minutes. And by the time you arrive, church, Praise, is worship. Praise and worship is done. But Joshua and his leaders, the people of Israel, they had a different mentality. They woke up early in the morning. Why? Because they do not want to miss the miracles that God is going to show them. Some people miss out on God's miracles in their lives. Why? They did not wake up early in the morning. When God promises us a, a miracle, when God wants us to do something, let's be eager. Right? Let's be excited. Going to church, let's be excited. Oh, it's Sunday again. Things about God, let's be excited. Because Matthew says that seek first the kingdom of God and, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen? So they woke up early in the morning, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, what did they say? When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions to follow it. 
First, Lord your God. Is God your Lord? Or is He the Lord of your grandma? God has or is to be our Lord. Because if God is the Lord of our parents, if God is the Lord of our grandma, if God is the Lord of our pastor, if God is the Lord of our D-group leaders, and He is not our Lord, then I do not know who is your Lord. Not because you have been going to CCF for 40 years, you automatically become a Christian. No. Not because your parents are serving the Lord, you're automatically a Christian. No. There is no such thing as angkas or ampid in the kingdom of God. God is to be our Lord. So, they, so the order that was given to them, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, okay, what are you supposed to do? You are to follow Him. The Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. Many people just wanted to follow God if it is convenient for them. But when it is no longer convenient, they don't follow the Lord. Hello, are you still here? Some people, they just go to church because it is convenient. Because it's called in church, I can sleep in church. Hello? I hope nobody is like that here this morning. Verse 4, you will only know which way to go if you follow the Ark of the Covenant. In fact, it says here that there should be a distance between the Ark and themselves. Why is that? So that they can see the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, let's jump to Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 to 2. I'm done with my introduction. Introduction. When the whole nation had finished there was a promise for them to cross the Jordan River. Okay, before I go to this, I just want to mention this. When they crossed the Red Sea, Moses had his rod and the sea parted. The people of Israel followed God because they saw the miracle. Remember when Moses lifted his rod? What happened? The Red Sea split. And they were able to cross the Red Sea. They saw the miracle and they crossed. But in Jordan River, these people did not see any miracle. They stepped into the water. And when they stepped on the water, the water parted. Many Christians just wanted to follow God because they want to see miracles happen. But the Joshua generation, they moved in faith and they saw the miracle. They stepped on the water and the water parted. Every time they stepped, they're stepping on dry grounds. And the Bible also says, I don't want to go into detail because it will take us the whole day. The Bible also says that when they reached the Jordan River, the Jordan River was full of water because the ice or the snow coming from the mountain are flowing down the river. Have you seen a river that's really full and the current is very strong. That was the situation. It was full. Why did God brought the children of Israel in front of the Jordan River when it is full? 
Because if it is not full and they cross the Jordan River, what will happen? Oh, because we are good. That's why we were able to cross the Jordan River. Sometimes God would allow you to face a very impossible situation in your life. And when you step out in faith, that water will be parted. And you will know that it is God. You will know it is God. Why did God allow you to face that terminal cancer? There's nothing we can do. And then a miracle happened. You will know it is God. You will know it is God. Because sometimes when we are able to solve certain situations in our lives, we always attribute it to our intelligence and we forget God. Okay, so let's move on. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe. And tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you are to stay at night. So Joshua called together the twelve men. He had appointed from the Israelites one from each tribe. Remember the twelve sons of Jacob? These are the tribes now. And said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israelites or Israel. What was the reason? To serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you what do these stones mean? Verse 7, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. What was the reason God asked them to take those stones? It is a time of remembering what God has done. Many people forget or easily forget things. Many people forget that we were once in darkness and God transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Many people forget that. And as a result, they go back to their old ways. Many people forget that. But God is saying, these stones are to be a memorial. These stones are going to be a remembrance. And you are to tell your children that this is what God has done. We are to tell our stories to, our, to people. We are to share our stories to our friends. Do you have a story to tell? Do you have a story to tell? I have a story to tell. I don't know about you. We ought to have a story to tell. Okay. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of tribes of the Israelites as the Lord had told Joshua and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Can you guys give me five more minutes? Okay, so the people of Israel, the representative from the 12 tribes, followed 
what Joshua was saying. He told them to what? To get stones, carry them on their shoulder, and they are to put them down on the place that they're going to sleep that night. And some people just don't want to follow. Praise God, nobody or walang Pinoy doon. Why? Because if there's a Pinoy, what will the Pinoy do? Ano ba naman pong pinagagawa ni Pastor? Ang bigat-bigat nitong bato. Can I just bring a paper mache that looks like a stone? Right? The people of Israel were obedient. But if this instruction were given to the people who left Egypt when they were wandering in the wilderness, what will they do? They will complain again. But since these were the children of those that left Egypt and they saw the goodness of God, they did not complain. The Bible says they did what Joshua told them to do. To do. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of Jordan. Why Gilgal? Gilgal in Hebrew means a circle. It is a stone. It's called rolling away. And in verse 9, then the Lord said to Joshua, we jump to Joshua 5, 9, then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. When you erect your memorial stone before God, you are telling the world that God has rolled away your shame. That God has rolled away the shame that they had in Egypt. The shame of being a slave. Uh, the shame of complaining in the wilderness. God is doing a new thing in the life of Israel. Is God doing a new thing in your life? I pray. And the Lord is telling us right now, it's about time, it's about time that we cross our Jordan River. It's about time that we cross our Jordan River. It's about time that we erect those memorial stones in our Gilgal. Because in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And the devil will always remind you of your past mistakes. The devil is always going to remind you of your sins. The devil is going to remind you of your failures. But in Gilgal, when you set up those memorial stones, God is telling you right now, I have forgiven, I have forgotten all of your iniquities. And behold, I am starting a new thing in your life. Let me end with Deuteronomy chapter 10, chapter 8. We'll read from verse 10 to 11. Why are the stones why is God requiring them to build a memorial? Why is it important to have the stones? Because in Deuteronomy, it says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Be careful. Let's face it, some of us, we left our country in the Philippines for a greener pasture. We call it the American dream. Right? Some of us would leave our respective work and look for another one for better pay. Right? Some of us will transfer to another state because it's better in another state than in Los Angeles, right? Some of us will shift our course from probably from accountancy, I'll go to nursing because there's more money when I go to nursing, right? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong pursuing your dreams. There's nothing wrong following 
the Ark of the Covenant. In fact, we are to follow the Ark of the Covenant because that's where the presence of God is leading us. But in Deuteronomy, it says, when you have eaten and are satisfied. In the Philippines, we just make Sabbath in the jeep. When we got to California, we can now drive a BMW. The Bible is saying, when you are satisfied, when you are satisfied, when you already own a house in California, when you already have a good business in Los Angeles, when you are already a cum laude, when you are satisfied, what do you do? Praise the Lord. And verse 11, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. That was why memorials are very important because we have the propensity to forget God when we experience good things in life. I know some people, in their younger years, they were, you know, came from, I was, used to be a youth pastor in different church. There were people who were asking me, please pray for me so that when I graduate, I can land a good job. And when I get a good job, I will really serve the Lord. Unfortunately, they are now traveling around the world and they forgot the Lord. They forgot the Lord. It is my prayer for each and every one of us that as that memorial stone is erected, we will always look back and remember what God has done in your lives. We will always remember God. The Bible says it is God who gives you the ability to be successful. It is God who gives you the ability to acquire wealth. It's not your intelligence. It's not your education. It's not your status in life. It is God. Erect those memorial stones. Always remember, it is God. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We thank you for your words this morning. Lord, I pray that we will always remember that it is you who blesses us. We will always remember your goodness in our lives, especially, Lord God, when we are surrounded with good things in life. Lord, let it be, Lord God, that we will not uh, credit it to, our, uh, to ourselves, Lord, but, Lord, we will always credit it to you and give you the glory. Lord, as we enjoy the rest of this Sunday, this Memorial Day, God, allow us to remember the goodness. Allow us, Lord, that apart from you, we are nothing. I pray for each and every one of us. God, I speak blessings, Lord. I speak your life to those who are sick. We ask, Lord God, for your touch. Lord, we ask, Lord God, that whatever blessings we receive, we will always attribute it to your goodness in our lives and in turn give you all the glory, the praise, and the honor. You are our sovereign God 
And Lord, we know that you will always make sure that your plans and purpose come into or happens in our lives. We thank you, Father. And Lord, I pray that you will dismiss us, Lord God, with your blessing. Dismiss us, Lord God, with your presence. Lord, and I pray, Lord God, that as we face this week, people will around us, that there is something different in us. People around us will see your presence in our lives. Make us a beacon of light. Make us an example to the people around us. We commit everything into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.